0: You know, because a lot of people, when they see these headwinds, they run for the hills or pencils are down and, you know, hey, you know, we're going to wait and see how things play out. But man, I don't know about you, but wait and see is like those to me, that's like a four letter word. It's like wait and see means miss the opportunities. You've got to move forward with bold action and be willing to assemble the right resources and and apply the timeless principles to execute. So this wait and see thing, to me, I feel like it's missed the opportunity. And so the question is, hey, well, what's the next headwind that creates an opportunity?
1: Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate
0: investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation. Welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And oh, baby, does it feel good? We're back in a rhythm here. I mean, come on. It's been a bit, no doubt about it. But I'm super excited. I'm super thankful to be back with you. And uh, it was quite the uh, process here to get the team back in place, to get some processes back in place. And, and by the way, we're we're still optimizing some of these processes. We're still you know, working through this. But I am committed to Elevate Nation. I'm committed to this process of bringing you tremendous value value through this podcast. So I'm thankful, appreciative that you are here with me today, and we're going to bring tremendous value today. Let me just tell you, I have the great Devin Elder. I say that because he's a great human being. He's somebody who I admire, someone who is continuing to push the limits, continuing to grow, continuing to inspire and be a great leader, but also just a great human being, somebody who we all would want to aspire to be like individual discourse with other people. I mean, it's just somebody who, I think you will come to really love. And uh, so I'm just super excited about this conversation. I'm super excited to bring you into this conversation. As you know, Elevate podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high performing real estate investors. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate entrepreneur and investor. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? is time. Let's raise the bar today. And I want to invite you to share this episode with a friend, share this podcast with a friend, because the only way that we can grow is through your introductions and through your seal of approval. So if you're enjoying Elevate, we just ask that you pay the fee. The fee is just to pay it forward. Share this episode with a friend. All you have to do is grab the link, share it on social media, send it in a text message, or even just mention it to someone else. Hey, go check out this podcast, Elevate podcast with Tyler Chesser. I would be so grateful for that. I, I just really appreciate that that. I also want to invite you to give us a rating and review. Those things are super important for us as we continue to grow. I'm going to continue to invest in you. I'm going to continue to invest in this community. And uh, I just I ask that you, uh, you support us as well. And so thank you so much for listening. And let's dive in. I'm going to just do a real quick bio for Devin Elder, just so you know. But also I'll mention that this is the second time Devin has been on the podcast. He was on episode 119 and the title of that episode is Building and Fostering Effective Teams with Devin Elder, and that's a great episode. Today's episode is so, so good. It's current, and it's also timeless. There's a lot to be said about what we talked about today, not only in the current macroeconomic, microeconomic environment, wherever you find yourself, but there's a lot to be said about the applicable wisdom of today's discussion. Devin Elder is the founder and CEO of DJE Texas Management Group, a vertically integrated multifamily investment firm based in San Antonio, Texas. Since 2012, the firm has completed hundreds of success Successful investment projects, including many full cycle multifamily investments. Devin has been a principal in over 5,000 doors of multifamily. He is a helicopter pilot, podcast host, and the owner of a real estate consulting firm, a brokerage, and the DJE Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit supporting disadvantaged children in Texas and the Philippines. So without further ado, please enjoy this fantastic, this phenomenal conversation with Devin Elder. Devin Elder, welcome back to Elevate, my friend. How you doing?
1: Doing great, Tyler. Thanks for having me. it's, uh, It's great to connect again. I think you said it's been a year and a half. It feels like a week and a half since we were on a podcast last, but good to see you again, man.
0: It really does, man. It's so funny. Actually, when I was reflecting on that, I was like, dude, seriously, it's been 18 months. Like, that's unbelievable. Things move so fast. You know, it's interesting you say that because in real estate, you know, a lot of times, well, I know that myself, I've always been taught and and learned over the years that, hey, this is a long game, man. This is a long game. You got to be patient. But to that point, it's like, but 18 months can go by like that. So yeah, play the long game and let these years fly by like a fence post. And then you look back and you say, well, instead of saying, oh man, I'm so sad that so much time has passed. It's like, oh, well, the compound effect is in. What do you think?
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, we talk about five-year holds on multifamily, maybe three-year holds, maybe longer. Three years is not a long time. And part of that is like the illusion of time with aging, right? I mean, I'm 44. One year is a certain percentage of my life. Whereas when you're 20, one year is a much bigger percentage of your life. So as you get older, the years go by faster and that's part of it. But the old adage, right? You know, just buy real state and wait. I think kind of always applies whatever the current micro or macro environment's doing, that adage still applies. Somebody, I don't know who said it, but somebody said the time's going to pass no matter what you do, right? It's still going to pass. You're not changing that. You might as well uh do what, you know, go for what you want because the you're going to be in that future position no matter what. So you might as well start teeing it up.
0: Yeah, and it's a great reminder because sometimes we feel like, well, you know, our future goals are so far in the future. They're so long. It's like, well, yeah, I want to have that long-term mentality, but like, you know, I get this delayed gratification and all these kind of things, but you know, what about securing sort of that win now, or what about enjoying life now? But, you know, I think you can do both in my opinion, but you know, to your point about the illusion of time, I think that's a really interesting one. I was talking to a, a much older, I think this may have been my grandmother at one point in time. And she said, you know, the years fly by sometimes like fence posts. It's like, I can't believe it's another year. And she's like, every single year goes faster and faster and faster it's like you're driving down a highway and you look at a fence post and it's like, boom, 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 boom. But to your point, it's like, you know, the older you get sort of your perception of that time, it's not like time has changed, it's perception. And so it kind of gives you a bit of a hint and a clue to say, all right, well, you know, patience is a virtue. And if we sort of plant that tree now, like the 20 years in the future is going to arrive quicker than we imagine. So that delayed gratification, it's something to say, well, you know, let's lean into that and let's trust this process. So that's good stuff, man. And I think, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do today was kind of zoom in on where we're at in the current environment, but also take a 50,000 foot view of how that plays into sort of the longer term horizon in terms of not only real estate, investing, building teams, being an entrepreneur sort of in America and how it's sort of the interrelated patterns across the world, you know, there's so many crazy things happening in this world. Of course, we've in some ways we've come out of a pandemic, right? Maybe we're still in it and to a certain regard, we've got inflation, historic inflation, we've got a war. In Ukraine, we've got a lot of crazy stuff happening with you know political climate, uh not only domestically in the US, but across the world. We've got a lot of crazy things going on. So I'd love to hear from you, Devin. I mean, you know, sort of an industry veteran, you know, your read on the current macro environment as an investor, as a real estate entrepreneur, and then maybe taking a step back from there and sort of putting that into context to the larger viewpoint. So give me your thoughts. How are you reading everything right now?
1: Yeah, so you know, what we're doing right now today, and we're talking in- in Q3 of 2022. So we've seen kind of the COVID stuff mostly get to the other side of that, And then we've seen the debt markets through the Fed hiking, we've seen the debt markets react violently to that. And we're all as, you know, as business owners and people that borrow a lot of capital, majority of the capital stack from some sort of lender, you know, we've seen those terms change a lot. So that's kind of the immediate uh, challenge in front of us at the particular time. But there's always going to be, you know, I tell people this, there's always going to be headwinds of some sort, whether it's our property tax, you know, valuations going high, insurance going high, COVID, people can't work, you name it, there's going to be, headwinds. And the current headwind, I think, is the debt environment. So trying to figure out how to uh, how to get leverage on deals, whether that's going to maybe a bank loan that's recourse, which used to be a dirty word in my mind, but maybe that's something to explore. A retrade on a deal, which was definitely a dirty word for all of us for years, but now it's actually justified. And even sellers are kind of like, yeah, we understand it. Uh, maybe looking at pref equity in there to get to the leverage to where we need if we're getting lenders at 60% leverage now. Well, man, I'm used to 75 80% leverage to make my LP numbers work. 60 with LPs, that's not going to cut it, right? So, trying to find ways to get to leverage. Now, you know, full transparency, we haven't executed on any of those, but those are the strategies we're looking at. The last deal we closed was 600 unit portfolio in Q1, and we had some execution challenges like all these deals around, you know, tenant base and deferred maintenance like every one of these projects has. So, none of these deals in my experience just sail across the finish line. It was before kind of the debt market challenges that we're seeing right now, so we're able to get that portfolio closed, but we haven't closed anything since then. But we're still looking, still underwriting deals. You know, cash flow is definitely getting squeezed on these deals. We haven't put a deal in front of investors where we're saying, "Hey, there's there's no cash flow first couple, you know, first three years, but there's depreciation, there's upside. Maybe we launch a deal like that. I don't, you know, we've always launched deals saying mid teens IRR and cash flow kind of right out of the gate. Our investors are really acclimated to that, so I don't know how they'd. Re- act to, to a no cash flow deal. But all of these topics are on the table and within our team. And I think what we talk about is, OK, we're going to keep pushing, keep making offers, keep trying to acquire, because like we were talking about before, uh, we hit it kind of in the green room here. There's an opportunity on your basis right now that hasn't existed in a while. You know, we've seen runaway price appreciation and expectations for years now, years and years and years. I mean, even during the 2020 COVID hit where debt markets froze up, that was for like 60 days. And then it just came raging back. And with all this, uh, the Fed, you know, printing all this money, we saw massive asset appreciation and inflation. So there's an opportunity right now with your basis and to get in at 10 or 15 or greater percentage point off the ask Uh, It's just, you know, how do you get the debt done? And I think that's the challenge. But we're always going to have headwinds. At the same time, we're always going to have tailwinds. Tailwinds right now, rent growth. Holy smokes. We talk about unprecedented inflation. Flip side of that coin is we've got unprecedented rent growth, right? Depending on the market that you're in, you might be seeing unprecedented population growth. We're seeing that in Texas. And certainly there's markets where that's the opposite. And you don't want to invest in those markets, right? You want to capture those people fleeing those markets. You want to be investing in a market, whether or not you live there, that is seeing, you know, the benefit of this population shift. So big tailwinds there on rent growth, population growth in certain certain MSAs. And then the underlying thing for us as a company is we're a real estate investment firm and people are going to need a place to lay their head at night. And that's been the thesis for all of us forever, right? You've got, you know, the announcement around the WeWork ex-CEO getting uh, some money from Mark Andreessen and and those guys revolutionized multifamily. And it's like, I'm real curious to see how that works. I can't believe that guy's still Raising capital after the, the we work debacle. But you know, there's stuff like that that, you know, promises to disrupt this space. But the truth is property management is freaking hard. It's very people intensive, it's very complex, it's very local, it's very dependent on the labor force. It's not something that you just disrupt with an app and take over the industry. So does somebody play this back in 10 years and make me eat my words? Maybe there's some whiz bang technology. But you know, we sold a deal a number of years ago to a guy in New York. I said, who are you using for property management? He said, well, we're using this tech company out of San Francisco. We're going to cut costs. And I'm like, the management is 3% of revenue. What are you going to cut? Are you going to cut it down to 2 To one, you know, if you cut your management fee from 3% to 1%, does that really materially impact your NOI? It doesn't. And what kind of awful service are you getting for 1% or whatever the case is? You just, you know, property management is such a tough, low margin business to begin with. Where are you going to scrape more out of that? And so I think the value in multifamily is spending the money, not being a slumlord, creating a great product like any business where people want to live, where people want to refer their friends, having a great staff, being responsive to your, your support requests, like any. Business. And that's how you do it. You know, you're well capitalized, you run a good business, and it's not easy. And it's not easy to just, you know, disrupt, I think, with some technology solution. There's already great property management software we use and things like people paying 100% of their rent online and doing 100% of their maintenance requests online, things like that that streamline it. So I think multifamily continues to just be a great place to park capital. And we're always going to have some headwinds. The headwind flavor of the month is debt markets, but that creates an opportunity on on the buy side and the Fed must cut rates at some point. You know, they had to raise because of what rates are doing. They must cut at some point. The sooner the Fed starts raising, that starts the clock on when they can cut. And when they cut, it's going to go freaking bananas. And guys like you that got in a deal right now in in this price dip, are going to look real good in in two years.
0: I completely agree, man. I think about, you know, the interesting things about this entire business is that change is the only constant, right? There's always changing headwinds. There's also, you know, somewhat changing tailwinds, right? But it's always the principles, the foundational principles that are true for decades, for centuries, really. I mean, it's, it's about, you know, doing the right thing. It's about not cutting corners. It's about evolving through change. It's about being adaptive. But also, you know, to your point, you know, you think about technology, which has been so disruptive on every industry across the world. Ultimately, I think one of the reasons why multifamily real estate makes so much sense as an investment is that it can't really completely be disrupted. I mean, you know, human beings, we need food, we need water, and we need this thing called shelter. And as an investment vehicle, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, you look at offices and a lot of people have gone hybrid or they've gone remote. And, you know, you think about the occupancy levels of, of offices in, you know, New York, San Francisco, or any major Major, you know, city across the world. You know, you're looking at occupancy rates tremendously lower than where they have been historically, and so obviously there's been a big disruption on that side of the fence. And can there be some disruption in the future that we would need to anticipate as operators? Sure, of course. What you're talking about in terms of that service that you know, providing sort of services, whether it's maintenance, whether it's you know, just questions from tenants or issues that people have, you know, for for leasing or renewals or all of these different things that we deal with on a day to day basis, it's going to be very challenging to disrupt that with just some technological solution. Because I don't know about you, but when you go to a website and it's like, hey, you know, customer service can be reached via chat and it's like some bot. It's like AI. I mean, I'm sure AI is going to get smarter and smarter and smarter, but I don't know about you, man, but rarely do my problems get solved through that. It's like the people interaction, especially in this business where we are literally providing a roof over people's heads. That's the key. So I think it's, I do think it's really interesting. I read that article yesterday about Andreessen putting $350 million with the WeWork founder. And I don't even know what they were looking to do, but to me, it's really, really interesting. But to your point, you know, could we be in this window of opportunity, right? When you think about the change, the headwinds, and I loved your soundbite on, Hey, headwinds create opportunities, you know, because a lot of people, when they see these headwinds, they run for the hills or pencils are down and, you know, Hey, you know, we're going to wait and see how things play out. But man, I don't know about you, but wait and see is like those to me, that's like a four letter word. It's like wait and see means miss the opportunities. You've got to move forward with bold action and be willing to assemble the right resources and and apply the timeless principles to execute. So this wait and see thing, to me, I feel like it's missed the opportunity. And so the question is, hey, well, what's the next headwind that creates an opportunity? I mean, how are you anticipating things? How do you see things playing out? You mentioned you know, perhaps some some adjustments from the Fed in terms of hey, one direction of rate hikes to potentially rate cuts. And I, I agree with you. I think they have no other option uh, but to do that. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And by the way, my opinion is I'll say that I've been surprised at the level of hikes that we've seen this year, more so than I expected. But what, how are you seeing things play out? I mean, what are you anticipating on your end? Otherwise, we're just trying to get
1: strong operationally and use this opportunity. If we don't have an acquisition at this particular moment, to sh- okay, we got a minute to take a breath before the next set begins. What can we do? Can we clean up stuff internally? Is there, are there projects we're putting off where we can kind of clean out some of the dead cells out of the organism, right? And kind of clean house on systems, processes, stuff like that. And I tell the whole team, just keep pushing. And this is kind of two approaches. You know, one of them is to keep asking the question, how do we get a deal done? Where's the opportunity? How do we get a deal done? Because when you, you know, when you feed your brain the wrong question, it's really distracting. You know, why are we in this situation? You know, how am I going to ever succeed in this environment? Things like that. I think you've got to kind of train yourself mentally to ask the right questions, which is kind of that Robert Kiyosaki thing, right? Instead of saying, I can't afford that and just shutting down all the powers of your brain, you say, how can I afford that? And one question leads to another. And I mean, that's how I've achieved all my goals is how could I make that happen? How could that work? And then you start reverse engineering and backing into the the daily steps. So we're doing that on acquisitions. How can we make this work? How can we capitalize on deals being 15% discount, right? You're never gonna get the 15% discount and great debt terms because the bad debt terms are driving the 15% discount. They go hand in hand, but you still have the 15% discount. How do you capitalize on that? So we're still pushing on the acquisition side, but then on the operation side, all right, we've grown a ton as a company. It's been great and we've grown responsibly, but inevitably there's processes, systems that need to get cleaned up. So just laying the groundwork there. And then another thing, just getting outside of multifamily, we've investigated some other avenues to place capital. And I won't go off on too much of a tangent, but we're building some light industrial warehouse stuff. And we've been doing ranch land stuff for a couple of years now that just gives us somewhere else to place our capital and investor capital that gives us a little, More diversity. And we're still a multifamily firm. We have a huge property management company now, 70 employees, not huge, but you know, whatever. So we've got some additional asset types that we can go deploy capital in. And we've also taken on some third-party clients for the property management company. Man, we're big on promotions. We're big on growing the team from within. Uh, It's a tough labor market right now. So anytime we can kind of get somebody in early in their career and train them up and nurture them through our organization, that's going to be a longer-term-minded employee, right? So we want to keep promoting those folks. And sometimes the way we do that is we just, hey, man, if we can't buy a deal right now, well, a buddy of mine's buying a deal we'll manage their deal that creates a few promotions, that keeps the culture strong. And it kind of gives us just more diversity. If DJE, if our company's not buying a deal right now, well, the property management teams are taking over another 200 unit asset, and that's gonna keep them busy for the next couple months, whatever, during takeover. So just being able to spread it around, diversifying your strategy, I think, is a double-edged sword. You know, I'm a big fan of putting in your 10,000 hours, becoming an expert, and that's what we've done with multifamily. But if we can just kind of pivot a little bit... And and say well we're going to look at some Texas land stuff too that we also know really well and we've got a track record with let's keep doing that if we've got some industrial stuff that we've got a really good team together we've been researching it for years let's do this project then that kind of gives us ability to keep doing deals that are just a little bit different than multifamily and it's really just more of a menu supplement we call it for investors it's not the main course but you know if we can't order the steak right now we can get some nice appetizers out with this other stuff and and keep it rolling. So that's kind of how we're approaching it. And it's the Darwin quote, right? It's not the biggest or the fastest or the strongest that survives. It's the most adaptable. And we just, as the company grows, it's real easy to be an adaptable solopreneur and you change anything, anytime. It's harder as an organization grows, but we're just trying to build in adaptability into the organization where we could pivot. Let's take on a third-party client. That's going to keep some pieces moving. Let's deploy some capital into some other type of projects that look different, but they still hit our investor return they're still safe. Okay, that's a little bit different. And I think that ability to pivot and change is what keeps an organization from going extinct.
0: Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a national real estate investment firm founded by myself and my business partner, Brian Flaherty. CF Capital's mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors like you maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. If you are looking for risk adjusted alternative investments in quality apartment communities, are seeking tax optimized cash flow with appreciation upside without all the hassles of management, you might benefit from learning more about investing alongside our team. You're invited to reach out and learn more about how you can invest with us by visiting cfcaploc.com. We're also currently offering a free ebook called The Bottom Line, 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, we're confident you'll find massive value in this resource. So go get your free copy today at cfcaploc.com. And now, please enjoy the rest of the show. How do you build in that adaptability uh, within an organization like that? I mean, you talk about 70 people. Is it just simply, hey, it's, you know, it's a, it's a long game of building that into the culture and saying, hey, look, adaptability and change is the only constant kind of deal and building that really in within your conversations and within your discourse. Or is there anything else that you would say to that?
1: Yeah, I think it is. It's just
0: building that muscle,
1: you know, and building the expectation around it and building the excitement around it. Because, you know, one of our leaders, our, our COO, you know, he was at a company at the same role in the same role for eight years, you know, and it's like, man, that company's doing things the same way day that they were 25 Five years ago. And for some people, that's attractive, right? It's job security. It's the same thing every day. For me, that's a death sentence. Like I'm an entrepreneur. I got to have variety. I got to be taking risks. That's just a personality thing. But we kind of put that expectation look at so-and-so. They were working in retail two years ago, making nothing. We brought them in, trained them up. They've been promoted twice. Now they've got all this responsibility. They've got a great career. They bought a house, right? And that's what change is. It's scary and it's going to push you out of your comfort zone, but that's the flip side of it. And so just promoting the upside of taking risks and change, I think is part of the way. And then I'm a huge fan of of start small iterate you know when we started doing the ranch business stuff i just i did a couple of these deals on my own my own account kind of built the systems and what i like to do is we're talking about checklists I like to build and document a whole process, build it out in our CRM, and then build the stages and the tasks within each stage. And so when we're doing something new, we're building that out in real time. Okay, what tasks need to happen at this stage? Who's responsible for them? Let's get in our meeting and dry run this and edit it and iterate. And so, you know, that's kind of building the track a little bit in front of you as you're pushing the train along with and starting small. And that's kind of, that's been successful. It's the same way we did more, you know, start with a six unit and then a 75 and then a 100 and 30 and just kind of grow that. So we've done that with some other asset types now. But I think the big message is just communicating that, hey, we're adaptable. That's a huge strength of any organism or company is the ability to roll with the punches. And so just kind of building that in the culture and then showing people how that benefits them. Hey man, we want you to get promoted. We want you to grow your skills, get out of your comfort zone and be like him and her and her and her and him. And you know, we've had so many promotions that it just... It's so easy to point to the evidence. You know, we do these quarterly award ceremonies and we give away awards for, you know, highest NOI or most rehab units lease. We kind of have all these metrics. We give out awards for the teams and um, usually kick off those meetings saying, all right, we got 70 people in this room. Raise your hand if you've been hired or promoted in the last six months. And, you know. Majority of the rooms' hands go up. And it's just like, man, okay, there's evidence right there that we're a growing company, we're hiring people, then we're also promoting people. And so look, people are always going to work in their self-interest. So if they see their counterpart or their old boss or whoever get promoted and now they bought a house and bought a nicer car, it's like they're gonna be pushing for that. Even if the requirement there is getting out of their comfort zone, embracing change. And um, I love it. We had a meeting on a kickoff on a new type project, and I said that the requirement for the meeting is that everybody must ask me a question on this deal because this is a new thing. So poke holes in it, ask questions. Let's freaking beat it up and let's over communicate on this until we build a a codified process out of it.
0: Devin, you are a walking goldmine, and you know I think about you know all of this stuff. It's just so fun and it's exciting. This is why I love spending time with you is because your joy and your passion as an entrepreneur is so evident. But you know what it really makes me think of, and the reason why I said that you're a walking goldmine is a few of the thoughts that I want to just recap just briefly. But first of all, we become what we think about, and we think about some. Similar things about, you know, people that we're surrounded with. So if you're surrounded in an organization like what you are describing and what you have built, what you're continuing to build, people are much more likely to want to be like the people that they're surrounding themselves with. And as a result, they're thinking about things that are similar to, well, wait a minute, if I'm, if I'm willing to embrace the fact that change can be scary, but there's upside in that change, well, then wait a minute, what else could happen? This is a foundational thought. And the other question of, hey, well, instead of I can't afford that, how can I afford that? Or how can I capitalize on these type of opportunities? How can we grow as an organization if there is perhaps a, you know, a slight gap between recent and acquisition and, and otherwise, or or if there's a tremendous amount of disruption in the capital markets, what does that actually give us like these questions? That's why I say you're a walking goldmine because this stuff is foundational. And when you embrace it, it's unbelievable what type of things that you receive as an organization. The other thing too, that I just want to recap, you're just dropping these bombs like left and right. And like, you don't, I don't even know if you even realize it anymore because it's so integrated with you, but like the 10,000 hours thing, I mean, you're talking about, Hey, diversity is important, but also let's recognize that 10, Thousand hours in one area is what creates mastery. If you've read Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell talks about that and he gives many different examples as to why that's the case. And so I just think that that's, it's just so powerful, man. It's so interesting. It's so awesome to hear you talk about, hey, let's start small, let's iterate. And as you iterate, I mean, I think about Ray Dalio. I mean, you know, his, the principles sort of thought process of, hey, you know, it is about small failures. It's about bumping up on a failure, it's about pivoting and iterating and then going to the next failure, pivoting, iterating. going to the next failure. And that's where growth really happens is through that. And so that's, it's not only individually, but also in an organization as a leader. I mean, these things are just gold, man. But one of the things that I understand about you is that you spend time and I think it's twice a month with a private CEO advisory board. Is that something that's been helpful for you and sort of integrating what we were talking about here?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's really a requirement. I think there's two groups that I spend a lot of time with. And, you know, I always advocate that for entrepreneurs or leaders. We are social animals and we're going to just cling to our group. Most people's group is their family and their coworkers. Maybe neither of those did they choose, right? They didn't choose their family and they didn't choose their coworkers. I'm going to choose a company they went to work for, but they didn't choose their coworkers. That can be good or bad. But you know, what i found is my spouse who completely supports me being an entrepreneur does not understand what I'm going through. She cannot possibly. My team does not understand what I'm going through. So, I don't have a confidant who understands in my spouse. And that's not a knock on her, right? That's just the reality of the situation is he runs the family and the house and does an amazing job. I run the businesses and it's clear as day, you know, delineation between the two. My team, they have their job, but they are not my sounding board. They're not a place for me to blow off steam. They're not a place for me to think out loud about ideas because I'm over here thinking out loud about something we might do. And they're taking notes like, do I have to do this? And it's like, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I'm just thinking, like, that's what I do. As an entrepreneur, you need a place with like-minded people that understand your struggles that you can create a peer group with because, man, we're social animals. We will die without that social connection and trying to find the the social connection somebody that understands you from your, at home, from your spouse or from your employees is a dead end in my experience. So there's that show alone or something where they stick people out in the woods with cameras and, and some tools and see how long, and the last person that that makes, you know, gets out there wins 50 grand or something. They start to go crazy through lack of human interaction. I mean, we're just wired social animals. So you've got to plug yourself in with a peer group that understands exactly what you're going through. And I would put that honestly, as the number one thing that's helped me succeed. There's lots of stuff. That's the number one thing. I've been a part of those groups for years. And there's just there's no substitute.
0: Is that a local group? Is that a national? I mean, how are you guys getting together? What does it look like?
1: Got two. One is a local local CEO group. We meet once a month as a group. There's about fifteen of us, uh, CEOs from different industries, which is also really cool perspective. Uh, and then I meet once a month with a mentor who is a retired CEO of a big firm. Uh, we just met yesterday. There's you know kind of that component. And then I'm part of a different national group that's more of a men's group that uh, we get together for different stuff. You know, we just I just got back from Florida from a deep sea fishing trip with, you know, half a dozen of those guys. And that's not as as formal, not like we sat around and and processed our issues, but you're hanging out six guys all day fishing, having a great time. And all of them are CEOs or run companies and men, we just get each other. So in my mind, if you're gonna do this, you're gonna be an entrepreneur. They say it's it's lonely at the top or whatever. Yep, by default, it is. You need to absolutely intentionally get around those groups. And does it cost money? Sure. Sure. You want it to cost money to get, you want a barrier to entry to get in those rooms for sure.
0: Yeah, no question about it. I mean, that's Napoleon Hill talked about the mastermind being the eighth wonder of the world. And I've experienced that myself where I've been a part of masterminds where, you know, I'll, I'll go to bed at night after being a part of a retreat where I'm spending time with people who are doing big things, who are embracing the fact that change is scary, but there's tremendous upside in that change. And you're like, like, wow, like what, what should I be doing? What am I missing out on? And these mirror neurons in our brain, it's like they reflect. Upon other people that are doing these things that you're like, wow, I admire that individual. I admire that courage, you know, being bold, being willing to face those demons, right? Because this, I believe, being an entrepreneur, being an investor, it is a personal growth journey. It's a personal development journey. You have to look within and embrace these sort of inner dialogue that says, if I try, I might fail. I might get embarrassed. I might lose. But you can leverage that voice and say, well, wait a minute. If that's the game, well, then wait a minute. Other people have done this. And it is possible. You have more references for what's possible for your future. So I think that's really powerful.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think everything we're doing is just references. It's monkey see, monkey do. There's billionaires out there. There's guys that are huge real estate companies. There's guys that are in shape. Everybody's done it all. Right. With the very small exception of some things like maybe a rocket to Mars or whatever. Nobody's done that. Somebody's working on that. But most of the things you want in your life, there's a frame of reference for. And a lot of it is just is just an internal confidence game. You don't have a confidence because you don't have a reference experience for that. And that's why I'm such a big fan of these incremental steps. You know, anything we've done is just a thousand steps. And if you're looking at it from the outside, go, wow, there's somebody accomplished this big thing. It's like, well, yeah, it only took a thousand steps to get there or or 10 million steps, but it's just building one little reference after another. Okay, we did that. Man, I borrowed a hundred grand from somebody to flip a house. That would scare me to death, but it worked out. Can we do another one? Yeah, can we do 10? Okay, can we do a hundred? Yeah, okay, can we do multifamily? Let's try one. Can we do piece of land? It's all just kind of sequential step-by-step. And you know, I'd like to joke that I think I've found all the ways to fail. I've done them all. I've failed all of them. So now what's left is like, okay, I think this is actually like a path that's going to work because I've tried all the other stuff for sure.
0: Yeah. And the failure is not nearly as scary as we tell ourselves it is, or it's not nearly as bad as we think it could be. So once you embrace that failure and you say, well, if I've experienced that, well then guess what? The upside is greater than the potential downside. You know, obviously doing things in a smart way to say, well, if the downside does come, well, what are our contingency plans and so forth? Uh, But you're talking about a thousand steps. I mean, I'm thinking, about, uh, you know, however many steps it took us to to summit Mount Elbert. Last weekend, I, I went with my business partner and a couple of their friends. And we ended up being at the tallest point in the Rocky Mountains after I don't know how many 1000s of steps. I'll tell you, it was the hardest thing that I've ever done physically in my life with 50% oxygen, you know, to what it was on on sea level. But I'm thinking about Devin Elder at the top of this mountain, because I'm drinking out of this Yeti that you sent me after being on your podcast a couple of years ago. And I'm like, how cool is that? i mean. I you mean, know, just, these little things, man, these little tiny efforts, they just add up. I mean, you know, you didn't have to send me a Yeti with my CF Capital logo on it, but you did that and you go above and beyond. I mean, it just seems like that's just kind of the the MO that you have across the board. Does that resonate with you?
1: For sure. I mean, I think technology is so wonderful and amazing. It's allowing us to have this conversation. Whereas if I needed to go out and fly and see you and meet with you, that'd be cool. I would prefer to do that, but I'm not gonna do that once a week, twice a week whatever. So technology is great, but I think, you know, I think it's important that we connect some way physically, you know, I think in business and in life too, great to, to call people and talk to them, but it's even better to, to connect in person. So I think some of those physical things are just a way to try to get over a little bit of that gap that technology leaves for us. But yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I started reading Think and Grow Rich when I was 14 and it didn't really click, but I, I read it a bunch throughout the years and now I can see some of the things that it instilled in me that I can see evidence now. And one of those things is you just always work harder and go and do more and expect nothing. And if that's your, I mean, seriously, nobody does that. You know, if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, you know, I finished this project. What more can I do? What more can I take off your plate? I want more. It's like that person's getting promoted, but nobody does that because it's extra work. Everybody thinks, well, you know, how can I get more? And I was guilty of that too. in my in my corporate days, right. Thinking about me first and, and how can I get more? More. And I think this mentality of how can I do more, how can I add more value, always planting seeds, always adding value. If that's just your mo, like it's just going to work out. And you can't point a straight line to ROI, and you just got to give up the idea of doing so. But let's let's get real. Let's get practical. What did that cup, just to use an example, cost in terms time, money, and energy? It was really just putting together a system to be able to make that happen and making that part of our process so that that happens. And it's it's really just deciding to do it like a lot of things, right? Let's decide. decide to do it, make
0: it happen. And it comes back to timeless wisdom. Like you're talking about connecting physically, like we have all these beautiful tools, all this technology and you know, the listeners, like they're engaging in this beautiful technology. We got thousands of listeners who are engaging in a very, very valuable conversation, but it still goes back to timeless wisdom. But like let's connect personally, physically, work harder, expect nothing. I mean, this stuff is, you know, this will never change as we continue to see new innovation, new disruption, all of these different things, which we can embrace still the undercurrent of it is timeless wisdom it's make investments in other people it's take the hard route it's hey, buy from slumlords but don't be a slumlord you know like all of these things like invest in your residents invest in your staff give them a hope for a greater future and you know i mean there's just so many other things that we could say about this but to me that's the interesting part about all this is like there's this constant continuous change but there's also these things that will never change if that makes sense
1: yeah 100 percent i mean i I think about our core values as a company, and you try to create something timeless and like not even industry specific, right? And and some of those things, one of them is tiny improvements daily. That's our third core value, and it's like that's never going to change. Just tiny little improvements every day. Doesn't matter what business you're in. Doesn't matter what you're doing. That's never going to change, right? And so how you know how do we kind of try to work that into our daily lives? And so, but you're right. Those principles that are not going to change, regardless of what new fad comes down or, or whatever the case is.
0: Man, Elevate Nation is, I'm sure, extremely grateful for this conversation. Devin, uh, before we wrap, I'd love to ask you a quick, um, maybe if you were to give any advice to the listeners to say, man, you know, looking at what your business has been over the past many, many years and where you're going, one of the things that really sticks out to me is that you guys have absolutely dominated a market and dominated your market in San Antonio in particular, which is obviously a a market that has been growing by leaps and bounds, but you've been there way before it's been on. The front of investment, you know, investor daily news or whatever. So, talk to me. Maybe are are there two or three pieces of advice that you might give to your younger self or anyone else about dominating a market like you've done?
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll just be frank. I think it comes down to when I was in the corporate world and trying to get promoted and stuff. And I would see guys that were gone from their family half the month, three weeks a month, you know, traveling. And whatever it was, I think, you know, my parents were divorced. And when I got married, I promised myself that I. I was going to set up a system, and situation where we weren't going to get divorced. And part of that was like, I'm not going to be gone half a month. And honestly, that's the real answer of why we're not in 10 markets. Now we may be at some point, company's got a plane. Now we've got a big company. We could send people out to do the stuff. We could acquire stuff in different markets and we may, but for the last 10 years that I've been in real estate, I didn't want to be gone from my family. So I mean, that's the answer for me, personal, very personal answer. It's like, Hey man. And also if we can continue to buy deals, the pencil for our investors, why wouldn't we try to buy the deal next door, or next door to that? And so that's been it so far. And honestly, it's just kind of dumb luck. I grew up in San Antonio. So and I did not get real estate on my radar till I was in my 30s. You know, I didn't do my first rental house till I was in my mid 30s. So it wasn't like some master plan. You know, I think if you're young, listen to this, wanting to get the business, you know, do you move if you're not in an ideal spot? Heck yeah, man. Take that freaking chance. Go do it. Make it happen, especially while you're young. So And I've got buddies that that's their story. You know, they moved to Dallas 15 years ago or whatever and made a killing. Right. So I think you absolutely move where opportunity is if you're young and have the chance to do it. Me, I just happened to start investing in a market that I was already in and I didn't want to leave. And, and I just kept at it. I think that's where there other markets that, you know, were sexy this year, or not so sexy the next year. You know, all these markets always kind of ebbing and flowing and that's fine. You know, the deal in multifamily, we're looking for population growth and landlord friendly laws, you know. and if and San Antonio's got those. And if that were to change, we would change with.
0: How about that clue though? I mean, ultimately real estate is a vehicle for creating an outcome that you want in your life. And you started with the end in mind. I don't want to be all over the place so that I'm not present with my wife, my family. And you saw the other side of that. And you designed a business around that concept. You began with the end in mind. I mean, I think that is gold right there. And if we can all of course correct and well, let's get back to that and say, well, you know, maybe we've done some things that haven't began with the end in mind. Well, let's make a course correction. Man, thank you for that. That is super, super valuable. As you have continued to stack on your prominence in that market, as you've continued to grow, and obviously you mentioned, it's like, well, you're in a market that's very strong. Uh, so that has made a lot of sense and that has helped you begin with the end in mind and continue to stack on that. I mean, is there anything outside of maybe just sort of the basics of like, hey, you know, being present, being a group that executes, that does what they say they're gonna do, that builds those relationships, that really invests in people, whether it's a local broker, Community, local ownership, just being a, you know a prominent, sort of from a reputation standpoint. Is there anything else that you would say that has been a key to you guys being more and more successful in that market?
1: Yeah, I think it comes down to what you said about course correction. I, I think it's really important to have a crystal clear goal. In our case, it's to buy a thousand units this year. Our last year was you know some other number. I constantly have to course correct back to that. Well, what if we did this? What if we did? That? And even in my own kind of mental gyrations here, you know, when you're a pilot and you're hand flying, you don't have autopilot on, you're making course corrections every second. You know, you're looking at your 20, your 25 and your 50-mile radius ring where you are on track And it is constantly off course. And you're just constantly adjusting. So to me, the North Star is we're buying a 1,000 units. And of course, we're hitting our marks on the existing portfolio. That's like the asset management targets. But the acquisition target, 1,000 doors this year. And man, I've got to course correct like multiple times a day, right? To just stay on that. And I see that trip a lot of people up too. Well, I think I want to get into real estate. Cool, great. I think I want to do large multifamily. Okay, great. But then there's this mobile home park in Alabama. And it's like, dude, what, what do you want? You can't want anything. You really got to have one thing and train your mind, and I struggle with that. Like I said, I got to course correct multiple times a day to stay on target. But I think that's the key to getting anything. You know, pick it and go after it. And picking it's going to be really sexy and fun. And going after it for a little while is going to be fun. And after six months or eighteen months of going after it, it's not going to be fun anymore. And you stay on the course. That's it.
0: Oh man, Devin Elder, what a great conversation, man! I, I just I'm super thankful that we were able to to do this again. I guarantee that we're going to do this third, fourth, fifth time, I'm sure, because I just have way too much fun having these conversations with you. Devin, tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can learn more about you. Website is the
1: best spot. DJETexas.com. That's Delta Juliet Echo Texas spelled out dot com. We got podcasts the whole nine yards, but that's the catch all spot for it.
0: Awesome, man. We will uh, put a link in the show notes as where the listeners can find you. Devin, until next time, my friend, thanks again for being on the show.
1: Tyler, great seeing you, man. Congrats on all your successes here and look forward to catching up again.
0: Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. Elevate Nation. Devin Elder bringing the heat as always. I'm just going to tell you right now, this guy is the real deal and he's as nice as they come. But man, his passion for being an entrepreneur, for building, for growing his team, for investing in real estate, it's it's just so pure and it's palpable. Uh, these are the type of people I love to spend time with. These are the type of people I love to bring to you. So I hope that you really enjoyed this half as much as I did, because man, I'm, I'm like amped. I'm ready to go. I think it's, it's going to be a big day as a result of this conversation. But there is so much value. There's so much gold in this episode. And I'm not just saying that because man, there's there's little moments in this episode where it's like, wow, you need to pause that and really think about what he just said. We just packed in like a decade plus of wisdom in this business and, and many decades of trials and tribulations that Devin has gone through to be able to bring this type of wisdom to you today. So I think that this can be a game changer for you. So I want to encourage you to re-listen to the show. Repetition is the mother of all skill. And if you listen twice, if you listen three times, that's where you really start to learn. That's where you really start to unpack new concepts, new ideas, new insights that are applicable, that are action-packed, that are action-oriented. And ultimately, information is not power. It is not power, but it is an opportunity for you to take action on that information. That's where the real power exists, is in application. So I want to encourage you to re-listen, but identify your top one, two, or three takeaways, your, your key distinctions what really moved you today? Because when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So the student may be ready for some components of what Devin said to you today. If that student is ready, well then what teacher appeared for you today? What are those three key distinctions? If you want to jot those down, I want to encourage you to do that because when we really parse out our distinctions, that's when we have the opportunity of moving forward, of taking action on those distinctions. I want to encourage you also to have a discussion with a friend. Go meet with somebody, have coffee, say, "You know what? I've been really have been thinking about these three things that I got from this podcast recently, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. Does it have something to do with being or, you know, maybe creating an advisory board yourself of other CEOs, of other entrepreneurs, of other investors, or is it about finding one? Or is it about, hey, well, how can I get to those 10,000 hours? How can I embrace the change that is being presented to me now, right? Because that change may be scary, but the upside is tremendous. I mean, there's just so many, I could go on and on and on, but what was it that you took away from this episode? Have a discussion and take massive action because clearly that's where the real gold lies in taking massive action, applying what you learned today. So until next time, Elevate Nation, I just want to thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly,
1: take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.